What's good? Welcome back. Sources on the Soil, the podcast. I am your guy, Sean Davis at SD2 Mics, and my partner in crime. We both cover the Chicago White Sox, Terrence Tomlin of the Bigs Media. As he said right there on the bottom, follow at It's the Bigs, at Tomlin Does It, and at Stay Humble for every pitch and every moment of the ALDS. They're going to keep you in the news and in the know. What's going on with the White Sox is they go up against the Houston Astros. The Houston Astros did win the series this year, 5-2. Uh, game one started is Lance McCullers. It is the Lance matchup. It'll be Lance McCullers against Lance Lynn. We'll get into the rest of the series and the breakdown. But before we do that, we have to get into this season, this 2021 season, TT. Man, yeah, yes. hey, bro. What's up, bro? I don't know. I guess we have to start with, like, expectations, all the moves, all the additions, bringing in Lance Lynn. Uh, Dallas Keuchel was already here at that time. They went out. They got Adam Eaton. And the expectations were elevated because of the additions. Uh, Liam Hendricks was added into the bullpen. And with all of that being done, expectations were high going into spring training. And then all of a sudden, you know, one fly ball <laughs> out to left field. It's it's crazy that that feels so long ago. I know, right? Yeah, on, like on the eve of game one. Yeah. When I still haven't packed my bag for Houston yet. We'll get to that uh, soon. But uh, <laughs> it's crazy to look back on the beginning of the year and, like you said, see how things really started to kind of take a turn really instantly with, with that, like you said, one fly ball. It was crazy because when it happened, I remember watching it. I was actually in the studio on the board for that game. And when I heard the call, I'm like, come on, man. Yeah. Like, he's still down. Like, Period. Really? And I feel like in Chicago, we know that feeling all too well. Oh, man. Don't even remind me. You feel me? When things yeah. are on the line, we you know we start to kind of look to see what else the universe has in store for Chicagoans, man, because, man, we've been put through it. But, man, I, honestly, that's a great place to start because I feel like in, in some kind of way, you know, all the way through the year, we were having that conversation about somebody, whether it was, yeah. you know, starting off with Eloy and then Luis and then Yasmani. And, and then we start to see the bullpen, you know, really kind of go through some things. And, you know, we saw some of the pictures that, Really, you know, a guy like Carlos Rodon, who who put in 130-plus innings for the first time in his career, seeing the effects of that on his arm, you know. So I, I feel like in some kind of way, even though you're talking about a team, bro, that, that just completely ran away with the Central, 93 wins, and it really had it in cruise control. You know, when you look back on it, the guys really had it in cruise control for about 60 days. Yeah. You know. That's and I think I didn't know you can get to that. You mentioned Carlos Rodon. What's so amazing about that, right? They draft him out of North Carolina State, and he's supposed to be like a staple. He's supposed to be part of that rebuild, you know, that pitching staff that's going to yeah. revitalize the chances of the Chicago White Sox. And then you connect that with Chris Sale, and you thought you had two dominant left-handers that were going to be the linchpins. Of rotation for years to come, right? And of course, things go the way they go. Eventually, Chris Sale is moved, and that gets us Michael Kopech and Yoan Moncada. And other moves were made. We get Luis Robert, of course, he make the trade for Eloy Jimenez. But even before that, Jose Abreu is like the cornerstone. Like we get him, like the Babe Ruth of Cuban baseball. Just yeah. a legend, iconic, well-respected by all Latin players. And, you know, we're still seeing the effects of what it meant for the White Sox to get him. You know, when yeah. other teams were coming, oh, yeah. the Yankees were in on it. For the White Sox to get him was so huge because we're still reaping the benefits Period. of getting him when you look at Luis Robert and you look at Oscar Colas that can be coming next year. Hey, can you even go back to our boy? Uh, was um, Visa Visaido? Yeah, Dion Visaido. 
Yeah, man. It, it, it just has been, a like you said, a long line of Cuban and, you know, international players. Yeah. Wanting to play for the White Sox. You yeah. Know? Wanting. That's that's huge. Uh-huh. Because of the team. And we've debated this, right? Like, you've always been a proponent of, you know, yo, if you spend the money, the fans will come. Facts. You I know? Have. And, you know, I, I I rock with that, but I've been on the other side of saying, yo, I, I really don't feel totally comfortable telling somebody how to spend their money. And there have been times where I've felt like where there have been competitive teams on the south side and the fans didn't show up. Mm-hmm. So we've seen both sides of the coin. And I, and I always felt you on that angle. I did. Yeah. And so, so with that, it was just kind of like, Oh man, but the way they used Jose Abreu being here and kind of branded themselves as the team that's the perfect fit for these Latin players and specifically these Cuban players. Yeah. And how they've used that to kind of circumvent not being the team that's going to go out there and spend big money in the free agent market, like the Dodgers or like uh, the Yankees or the, or the yeah. Mets, even. Yeah. So they they found a way to, to like create their own economic um, plan of how they can build a winner, and mm-hmm. we're starting to see the fruition of that. And just to go back and get back to my point about Rodon, it, it was really cool to see him be a part of this, even though uh, his contract was up, he was out there, he was a free yeah. agent for them. Yeah, so Rick Hahn. And the brass to give him the opportunity to be a part, and he nothing was like guaranteed, right? Period. But before we came into spring training, we didn't know that they were going to like put the training wheels on Michael Kopech. Like we might, we expected him to be part of the starting rotation. By the rotation, definitely didn't see him with this huge role in the pen. The way that you know was basically like, hey, you're going to be in the pen all year. Yeah. Long relief, get ready for October now. Cause you know that that uh that transition uh from starting, you know, from the, the way you prepared, you know, when when you're a starter to the way you prepare when you're in the bullpen is completely different. And like you said though, he's still kind of, you know, the way he prepares and what I've heard from coaches is that he still has to do some special things because he was a starting pitcher before, you know. Yeah. But you know, SD, I want to make sure I, I go back to what you were saying about. Uh, your philosophy about spending money and and what that means to how you decide to grow your team, man. Yeah. The other, cause I, cause you're, you're on point. I definitely was like, if you want to solve the fan issue, go get some of these big names. Yeah. And, yeah. and I feel like that summer or excuse me, that winter when Manny Machado was out there was a cornerstone moment for the organization. Cause like you said, they picked the lane and, and my, the other side of my emotions was okay. If you're going to decide that you don't want to pay a guy like Manny Machado 300 million or whatever, then you have to bank on these guys that you drafted that you're bringing up in your farm to hit. Yeah. And at the time, I'm like, Phew. I, we've seen, you know, we, we were coming fresh off a period where they, you know, the guys weren't hitting. Yeah. Right. I mean? Right. And the picks were, were, were duds. And I'm like, right. if you're going to bet on your farm again, you got to be on point this time. They and, bet on themselves. Yeah. They Two, three years later, the only, the only prospect that I feel didn't really live up. I mean, of course, it was a couple. We got a, our boy out the pen, Fuller. Yeah. Um, and Zach Collins, who I felt like would be a, a much better player. But here he is about to be on the playoff roster. Yeah. So, yeah, so Carson, Carson Fulmer. Yeah. Um, didn't turn out to be the stud. You know, we, we took him instead of Walker Bueller. Yeah. In that draft off the same college team, the same college pitching rotation. Bueller has been a, a stud for the Dodgers. Um, and, and just moving on from that, like I said, once they established, which you along with a lot of White Sox fans were really upset with the way the Manny Machado thing turned out, right? White Sox are pretty I'm kind of embarrassed to admit that I was, that I was salty because – it, it didn't take long for me to come back to my senses in that situation. I, I just thought that that was the winner to to spend money, you know? Right, right. And you know what? I I think Jerry Reinsdorf, you have to know 
who your owner is. That's one of the things when we were having discussions about, you know, who to pay and how much money to spend. I would always say, man, we have to understand that Jerry Reinsdorf is our owner Great. Uh, and, how, and how he operates. And he's a very prideful man. Uh, this is a man that was like at the front of trying to break the union. You know, when it comes to Major League Baseball, like he's very stubborn. And when he wants to get something done, he's going to stick to his gun. So when he put the money out there and kind of did something that the White Sox don't normally do, Mm-hmm. And yep. making the big offer to Manny Machado, and then for Manny Machado and his people to wait and kind of leverage the White Sox, and then get that last minute offer from the Padres, and then come back to the White Sox. Yo, that yeah. guy, just just the pride of Jerry Reinsdorf. It was like I already knew. Like you're asking for more guaranteed money. Nah, you're lucky nah. that you even got the offer that you got. Yeah, you know. But kudos to Kenny Williams and Rick Hahn to immediately pivot and say, yo, okay, cool. We got yeah. Kopech. We got, we got Abreu. We got Kopech. We got Tim. Tim had yep. come up at that time. Yep. We got Yoan Moncada. Let's keep building. You yep. know, that's exactly what they did. Lucas started to, cut, you know, show signs that he yeah. was a complete scrub. So. Right. They, they, and they so were. I think it's some key moves. Yeah. Like – so we go from Eloy to disappointment, right? Mm-hmm. And I think everybody was just like, oh, man, like, dude, that's that's a huge loss. But I have to give kudos to the leadership on the team and manager Tony La Russa, who he took, he took the arrows when he was hired, right? And he, he should have, especially the situation he came in on. What a case. DUI. Right. Right. So he deserved every bit of, <laughs> man, everything he got from the fan base. He deserved he did. all of the backlash. Yeah, from, from, from all angles. You know, you, you yeah. had the angle that Rick Hahn wasn't the guy really pulling the, you know, strings. Yeah. It, it, yeah. it could have got really kind of sticky, you know? Yeah, it did. And I have to say, the tone that they set him along with, this is something that my father taught me a long time ago, man, and it's so true. Agreement does not mean we have to see things the same way. Like, we can be in agreement and have two totally different philosophies. As long as we have a common goal, Mm -hmm. we can get it done. As long as we had that, that understanding, right? Yes. Yes, and I, and I think the White Sox and that locker room is a perfect example of how you can have agreement with That's a great you know, point. different ideas and different opinions. And, you know, old school Tony La Russa, you know, and then you had the new kids. And I was worried about that because I feel like the White Sox had the most exciting, young lineup, group of players spearheaded by Tim Anderson, who pretty much was the face of this transition of fun baseball or bringing the fun back to baseball, you know, with the bat tosses and everything and how that picked up. And you saw other players around Major League bat Baseball grab hold to it. You even had pitchers like Trevor Bauer say, yo, that's what's up. If he is a home run off of me, he should celebrate. I got to throw know? a better pitch. Yeah, but it was like that big fire. You know, making the playoffs, even though you lose the series to the Oakland A's, you had this big fire going. And you make all these acquisitions, and the fire's growing big, bigger, and it seems like the hiring of Tony Russo was like throwing water on the fire. Like, oh, man. This That's is a great way. analogy. That's a great way to put it. And, yo, it wasn't that way. It, it just wasn't that way. This team was still colorful and excited. And you know what, SD? That was like my saving grace. And, uh, you know, when Tony LaRusso first got hired, I just couldn't imagine somebody being able to to like take the character out of this team. Like right. taking the character away from a guy like Tim Anderson. Good luck with that. Man. You know what I mean? MLB couldn't do it. Uh even you know they tried they suspended him over that whole situation and, and, and you know with the N-word and everything. But Tony LaRusa felt like a self-inflicted wound at first. Yeah. Like you said, it's like we got all this momentum. Um you, you're improving every single year. And this next year is, you know, if everything goes as planned, if, if you guys continue the trend of getting better in the offseason, this is the next step, you know, yeah. real-life World Series expectations. It felt like the Tony La Russa hire kind of was like a fork in the road 
and and it like you said it didn't take long for that kind of to you know to see that that wouldn't be the case until we got to that guys I mean, uh excuse me the uh our boy yeah our boy um the yerminator yeah and in the situation with him uh getting that home run uh you know on on the on the 3 0 count I Dude, was I didn't really, care. It was the it was the twins, bro. Yeah, that yeah. was the only. That was really the only thing I would have told Tony. Like, Dude, this <laughs> is the twins. we are trying to bury these dudes. I don't care if we beat these dudes by fifty. Now we want foot in the throat. Leave no Man. doubt. And yes. absolutely, like everything we've had to take off of this team over the last decade. Man, we're trying mm-hmm. to cut that cut their heads off. Exactly, and you know what I. Feel- like at that point, you know what I was impressed by with the team when uh, when that Yerminator situation was going on, the fact that they had w- were already playing at a high level without Eloy. I was like, okay, now this yeah. is yeah, this is a special team. Like I, I called it during the season, they pour out a little liquor and keep it moving, and and I felt like that was a, a clear sign that the character of this team was going to drive them all the way through the end of this season and that Tony LaRusso, as long as he, you know, it focused on baseball, which was, you know, that was the easy part for him. Right. Right. The baseball part for Tony LaRusso was the easy part. And he proved that by getting the most out of some players that honestly, like you said, when we talked about Carlos Rodon, the fact of the matter is nobody thought he would be anywhere close to this team. And for him to come in and, and play, you know, at the level he played from the spring all the way through the season, it took some trust from his manager in order to get that kind of, you know, play from him. And then you look at guys like Jake Lamb, Billy Hamilton, um, Chris uh, Goodwin, all of these guys that were kind of like wanderers in the league at the mm-hmm. time came in yeah. and just bought in instantly. And I feel like that's, you know, you really got to tip your cap to Tony LaRusso on that front. Yeah, and that's the culture that goes back to the way he even managed you know, his Oakland A's teams and his St. Louis Cardinals teams. It's like everybody's going to play. This is not we're just going to run out the same nine guys every day, you know, with our pitching staff, and then you play once or twice a month. Yes. He's letting guys know, like, you will have a responsibility and accountability on this team, and we yes. expect you to produce. So Very. be prepared at all times. When you have that mentality as a team, a type of culture in the locker room, you're pulling for each other. You're into every pitch of every inning. It's like, yeah, yo, and you start to get – it's safe to say I wouldn't have a problem with someone saying uh, Yermin Mercedes was the MVP of the season. I, I wouldn't. You know what, As do you always good for one of those aha moments because I can't disagree with you. Like, when you look at how we started the season – he was really the, the the White Sox best hitter for two months. The run producer. Yeah. Because Jose struggled. Yeah. Jose struggled. Tim kind of started just a little slow. Yeah. Yermin started hot like fire, okay? Well, he was spitting hot fire out the gate and really made up for that, you know, for Eloy's loss immediately. Yeah. He carried and you, you can't really put a value on in baseball how important it is to start good, you know? Yeah, right. It's like, yeah, it's a, it's a long season, but you start seven, eight games under because you have some injuries, you may be going into June and July trying to shake the dust off, you know? Yeah. Because of your mean, they were strong, and, and, you know, early on in the season, in those early months, it was so important. And it's so – you start to see, like, what it's really like to be a young player or a rookie – and Major League Baseball, and, like, just how difficult the game is. Because if you look at how Luis Roberts started last season and you look at how successful Andrew Vaughn was, right? Yeah. Basically coming straight from, like, single A, man. Like, taking that jump, coming in. Let me tell you, SD. I'm going to learn defense in the outfield as a first baseman. On the run. Yes. And the athlete he is and to be able to make that adjustment and not be a defensive liability, which was huge in this season as well. We thought we were getting somebody that was worse than Eloy. It's like, okay. Right. And I had some real debates with uh, with Gene about the philosophy, like what is Andrew Vaughn doing? And I looked at him. I'm like, hey, if you don't have Eloy, this is 
Andrew Vaughn is really next up. Like, it. like it's unfortunate that it happened this early in the season, but Andrew Vaughn is next up. Fact. He showed and proved. He showed and proved. And, you know, you see, that's why I'm super excited. And I tell people this, I'm not trying to jump ahead, but I'll throw it in. Look, we might win the World Series this year. It's a very good chance that we will. The White Sox will win the World Series. But this team is going to be better next year. I was waiting on that part, SD. Because Andrew Vaughn is going – the same thing you saw happen with Luis Robert this year, you saw him struggle towards the end of his first year last year. Yep. You saw Andrew Vaughn struggle towards the end of his first year. Andrew Vaughn next year is going to be a dude. And when you start adding more and more dudes and you lengthen this lineup – Man, this team's going to be better. I know we have to figure out, you know, who's going to replace Rodon because he goes into free agency. Yeah. I hope he gets the bag. I oh, really yeah. do. You know, everything oh, yeah. he's done, everything he's gone through to be resilient the way he is, to come back and give the White Sox the season that he gave him this year. It's like I would love for him to be on this team next year, but, yo, go get your bag. Go First get your money. Time. Absolutely. And whoever gives it to you, kudos. And I hope you have a great career, except when you pitch against the White Sox. But other than that, we're excited about this year. Oh, yeah. And you win it when you get the opportunity, right? Because you guys were on that path with the 2016 Cubs, right? Yeah. They were very young. They were very young. You thought, man, it's about a four or five-year run coming. When you get the opportunity – you have to take advantage of it. I, honestly, that is the number one rule in baseball. Like you, you think that you're building on some like imaginary schedule of, of progress. Yeah. But you may look up and it's World Series time. Okay. And, and yeah. you got to go all in. And, and I feel like the beautiful thing about it, SD, is that I'm looking at this team and I feel like they're all in. I feel like they've done everything they could do to be at the best position they could possibly be in at this point. And as, you know, looking at it from a fan point, that's really all you can ask for. Yeah. You look at guys like Rick Hahn and like you said, and uh, the, the coaching staff, but then you look at the players and, and how they were able to grow and, and but sustain a, a whole, you know, a whole nother level of success that kind of people were wondering with their abbreviated season, if they could keep it together and they show that they, you know, were serious about it. And honestly, as the looking forward, and and I kind that's where I kind of get a little apprehensive because, like you said, I saw the Cubs first, you know, firsthand. Yeah, and that was you know that one cookie was all they got. And if you would have asked me in the middle of 2016, I would have told you he was a crazy man <laughs> if you thought that that core was only yeah. going to get one and not even yeah. get to another World Series. Yeah, you know, I'm looking at this White Sox team. Feeling exactly how you just said, though. I'm yeah. looking at the pitching staff, knowing that Rick Hahn can improve in free agency. And then I'm looking at just some of the names out there. You know, before you look at the farm system and the guys that are, you know, still coming up through the ranks for the White Sox, I know that they may be in the market for a second baseman uh, with some interesting names out there. And yeah. it's, it's just a bunch of ways for this team to get better, man. And I know a lot of people, we talk about the additions. You know, we can talk about uh, the Eloy injury. You talked about that. You're mean, possibly yeah. the MVP of the season. You can talk about, man, the, the Sunday afternoon when Luis went down. Oh, right. Yeah. And it, at that point, the way he ended up being carried off the field, like, man, is this dude going to be back this year? Period. Or back first half of next year. Really and just trying to condition your mind like, oh, he's gone. That, right. That's how that injury looked. You know? Right. And then, you know, we come back on a Wednesday night, and here we go. Nick is trying to run it, run down the base hard to beat out an infield ground ball. Now he's going ahead. It him. was one of his best games as a White Sox. Like, yeah. the game he got hurt, you started to see, okay, Nicky, you know, just like the other, you know, young guys on the team, all they needed some time, you know? I had a bet with some guys before the season. I was like, yo, Nick's going to hit 300. And Cass was like, man, you're crazy. I'm like, okay, I'm telling you. I'm like, dude, he's going to hit 300. 
And it's like the way he was playing before he got hurt. Yeah. Like offensively, and, and you we could talk about that because you know we take calls all the time. White Sox post game. Uh, I want to remind people: follow at it's the Bigs. Tomlin does it. Stay humble for every pitch and moment of the ALDS, and you can hear every pitch and moment of the ALDS on ESPN One Thousand, ESPN Chicago, and the ESPN Chicago app. We'll have our regular post game, which is thirty minutes, and then we'll have an extended post game. An hour after the uh, regular post game, but each and every game. So we're here. We're going to cover it, and we're connected right here for you. Sources on the soil, the podcast. With all of that being said, you mentioned all of the players that came up, but you had the additions of guys like Gavin Sheets, and you had Jake Berger come up to give you production. And once again, you see the depth that exists. As a matter of fact, you know, the, the, the taxi squad for the ALDS, let me get it right here. Uh, Jake Berger is part of the taxi squad. I know he's part of the five. Another uh, wink at Rick Hahn. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, look at you, Rick, and you got another one. <laughs> mm-hmm. Another one of your boys, Rick. And what do you do with that? It's uh, Sebi, Romy Gonzalez, Danny Mendick, and Jake Berger, the four guys. Yeah that are pretty much on a taxi squad in case of injury or something like that in the ALDS. So our youngsters, man, can have a huge – I think Gavin Sheets is going to get a huge hit in this ALDS. I, I saw something before we logged on uh, from my boy Scott Merkin, who's uh, who's already in Houston, and I guess he got a tip that Gavin Sheets will be at DH tomorrow. Wow, and, and and he's a he's a cat. Honestly, the way he was swinging that bat from the moment he came up, and he you know he went down for a little bit, uh, you know for uh, you know protocol or whatever. You know how it is, the script. Mm-hmm. But he turned himself into a person that earned a spot on that playoff roster. Man, like that's my favorite thing about these young cats. You know, you're not giving them opportunities. Because all we we drafted him early, he's moving up. No, these cats are are forcing your hand, and that's really been the theme since Tim came up. Yeah, you know, it's like you know, and then uh, you know, everybody that followed him, it's like all right, Eloy, Luis, these guys have forced you know management's hand and like made them feel like these these are guys that have to be part of what we're building. But the way Gavin Sheets has come on. And show power from the left, you know, from that left side. You, you can't put a value on that in October. And he may break some hearts, bro. He may break some hearts in October. Yeah, so you see him against Lance McCullers in game one. And then, you know, with Valdez in game two, the lefty, you probably, you might see Andrew Vaughn. So, man, that DH combination between exactly. Vaughn and Sheets. Yes. You feel very comfortable. They're youngsters. But you feel very comfortable because they produce for you. Come on, and you telling you know guys with bats like that just to swing away, you know, yeah. have, you know, just deep man. And and honestly, SD, I I've been I feel like I've been running you know the mill, telling folks, hey, the White Sox got a chance. Houston doesn't want to see this team in full bloom. They haven't seen this team in full bloom. That and that's the point. And the Astros, to their credit, they're getting Bregman back, a healthy yeah. Bregman, which is huge. But there was no Eloy and there was no Luis Robert, who is the hottest hitter. Yeah. It's like, even when he makes an out, mm-hmm. he's hitting the hell out the ball, man. Oh, he, he's killing it. He's killing and it. It was a different Yasmani grind dog. Yes. You know I mean, we, you know, when Yasmani went down and came back, and, uh, you know, all the offense that we were wondering what happened to it was there. You know, the, the guys right now are mashing. Uh, but honestly, taking a second to look at just, you know, we got Dusty Baker versus Tony La Russa. Yeah. You know, you got the machine of the, you know, AL of the American League versus the, the hottest up-and-coming team. This is, I feel like, baseball's dream. You know, this is a this is about to be an amazing series, bro. And um, I feel like. And, you know, I may be fans of scratch their head, but I couldn't think of a better opponent in the first round for the White Sox as far as a test goes. The storylines are yeah. crazy, right, because these teams are so similar. Um, it's just starting with the managers, right? 
yeah. two Hall of Fame managers, and Dusty Baker and Tony La Russa. Uh, Dusty, I, in my opinion, deserves to be in the Hall of Fame. Without He's not in there yet. Tony La Russa is in the Hall of Fame. Uh, and then you go to the lineups, very deep, and the leadoff hitters are the engines to both teams. Without question. Like Altuve makes them go. And, yo, Tim Anderson definitely makes the White Sox go. Without question. Uh, proven time and time again. Yeah. So I just think the depth of the White Sox lineup could possibly be a challenge. To a Lance McCullers has given up three runs and two starts against the White Sox. So he's fared very well. Uh against the White Sox, and a lot of people can look at what Evaldi did against the Yankees this year, was he pitched very well against them, and when it came into the wild card game, you know, that kind of, that trend continued into the wild card game, so it's safe to say that, you know, tomorrow is going to, if the White Sox are going to win, it's going to have to be a three to one, three to two, two to one victory, you know, like Lance come out, give us five strong, and get to that bullpen, and this is what I want to bring up. A.J. Hinch, who is the World Series manager for the, the champions when the Houston Astros won the World Series and defeating the Dodgers, he was asked uh, this past weekend when the Tigers were here to compare both teams. Okay. And he said, yo, the lineups are equal. He said both of them had, he said the Astros are the best offensive lineup, but he said right behind them or equal to them are the White Sox, especially when they're healthy and the way they've been hitting of late. See, that's the thing. The White Sox offense, we complained about runners left on base, missed opportunities all season with this offense. Speak on it. And then the last two weeks, the consistency they've shown. Yes. And the ability to explode and continue to add runs just bodes well going into a playoff situation, especially facing good pitching. But the one thing he did point out is that the Astros are going to play and depend on their experience. That's what they have. Yep. They have experienced players that have been there, that have won championships. They're going to play on that. And he said the Astros are going to try and avoid the bullpen of the White Sox. They don't want the game to get to the bullpen. They want to get an early lead, get runs off the starters, and then try to hold on. Because mm-hmm. they know if they have to play catch up against this bullpen, it's going to be a problem especially in a playoff setup. Yeah, you know, 100%. And, and that's why I said, that's why I called them that that AL machine. Yeah. Because that experience just comes out in the way they play and their confidence. Like you said, Altuve at the top of that lineup, I can't front. That little dude is, is scary. <laughs> that, that, that little man right there, right? you know, you don't play no games. Right. And, and, and you know another thing why I feel like they're, they're kind of identical? Hey, they don't quit, bro. No. They not down until that last out is recorded, okay? And I feel like if the White Sox go in here and, um, and I, you know, I kind of, you know, I don't think, I think they've learned from the last, you know, playoff run uh, and how they lost to Oakland. I know they know they can't play with Houston. I feel like the the philosophy and the game plan that you just said Houston has, that's the same way the White Sox want to get want to get involved. They like, yo, let's jump on these cats early. Get early runs. Get two or three runs in the first. And get to our bull and catch up for yep. nine minutes. Yep. Okay. That that's a hundred percent. I feel like the White Sox's best way to W's. Uh I feel like the fact that uh they're gonna get right to it. These day games. Yeah. You know, we there's no waiting for the you know for the for the primetime game. Your nerves, whatever, is going to get out the way quick. And you know what, SD, we, we talked about Tony Larusa, and I, I I was telling Gene that I feel like in this playoff series we we're going to see the reason why Tony Larusa is a Hall of Famer. And I feel like with the announcement of who they decided to go with uh, for Game One and yeah. the way it was handled, I thought it was great. You know, I, I was at the uh, the last game that Lucas Giolito pitched, and I, if it was anything, I felt I felt you know this you know you can't go with Lucas in game one. You know these guys they aren't scoring a bunch of runs, but they're getting lift off against them pretty good. You got to go with your dog. You Lance Land, he's gonna be rested. 
Yeah. He's earned it. You know, the his reward for being the best pitcher on your staff this year has to be starting game one of the playoffs. And um, I was so happy to see that that was the case because I heard some rumbles that it was going to be Giolito. Well, see, I understood why you might flirt with yeah. Giolito. And see, this is, this is, this is, man, this is what makes Rodon possibly not being mm-hmm. himself in this series. If Carlos Rodon was the Carlos Rodon that we expected, yeah, I I would I would pick the White Sox in this series with without hesitation. Good like, luck with the first that we like, White Sox up 2-0. Yeah, yeah, Rodon, yeah. It's a wrap. It's a yeah. wrap because we're about to dominate. But you know, with him not being himself and possibly maybe being a game four starter, and that threw Dylan Cease in a game three, and you want Dylan Cease to pitch at home. Yeah, you don't want him to pitch on the road. Yeah, but Giolito's stuff plays much better against a team that loves to hit the fastball. And Lance Lynn throws pretty much majority fastballs, whether it's just a cutter, movement, sinker, four-seamer. And, you know, so I can see Tony thinking about the stuff standpoint, but you have to go with that bulldog. He's the guy that set the tone for the pitching staff the entire season. He was out the gate, the leader of the pitching staff. Him and Rodon were right there battling for ERA and that yeah. first half leader of the ERA league. And um, I'm cool with Gio going in game two. I think Gio going in game two makes a lot of sense because that puts – I keep saying this, and I haven't been around him. Like maybe you can give credence to this. Lucas Giolito, to me, is a sports asshole. And what I mean by that is I call him like the modern-day Andy Pettit, right? Where, you know, he's going to have good regular seasons. But when you really see the best of him is in the postseason. See, because Lucas Giolito, to me, is the type of dude that loves to come into your stadium and just, like, give it to you. Yeah, like give you seven innings, 12 strikeouts, and just walk off the mound shaking his head. Because that's what Lucas does. He's that dude where he gets a strikeout. He looks at you. He nods. He stares you down. He's that agitator. Oh, yeah. He's that agitator. That's why I call him like he's a fourth a-hole. Like yeah. mm-hmm. the one he lives for that moment. Like you saw going back to the Oakland series. Like he yeah. lived for that. Oh, like, man. man. Game <laughs> one in Oakland. Yeah. Let's go. So I can see why Tony would think about pitching him game one. But, you know, having him in game two right behind Lance Lynn, that's that's perfect. You know what? I feel I, I agree with you 100%. And I love Lucas in that two spot for that very reason. Because win or lose, I feel like you're going to get a guy with, the, with an edge that knows what it takes yeah. to win in the playoffs. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I mean that that Oakland game, honestly, bro. That that was some top. That was some elite spitting shit. Yeah, I mean, like, yeah, he was spitting hot fire and yeah, it was looking unhittable. And you don't do that in the playoffs unless you got it, you know. Yeah, and and honestly, in game two, say Lance Lynn comes in and it, you know Houston is, is, is finds a way to get this game, you sleep a little better knowing that you okay. We got Lucas going tomorrow. He's gonna stop the shenanigans. We'll get a W. Yeah, especially you know I mean? going up against Valdez. It's probably going to be Valdez, Garcia. I know Grinky was dealing with an injury. I don't even know if Grinky's going to start his game. Yeah. But giving me Giolito and Cease against Valdez and Garcia, I'm, I'm cool with that. Oh, yeah, 100%. Because I feel like the, the series totally flips if we get the Lance McCullers. Mm-hmm. Like if we get the Lance McCullers, it's like, oh, yeah. Yeah, this series is out. 100%. Yeah. that That's really exactly what I'm thinking. But honestly, I'm like, I'm leaning on those arms. I'm looking at Lance Lynn and Lucas, I mean, and Lucas as, okay, yeah, these are the, the two better pitchers going in both games. They, they'll come away with this. And the bullpen is healthy. And everybody was trending up. 
Yeah. Aaron looked good in yeah. the last series. And you needed to see that. You needed to see that from him. Bummer has been spot on lately. Garrett yeah. Crochet, Cole yeah. Peck, they stretched him out the last couple of times. Needed to. So he can go three innings. And, and I think mm -hmm. Cole going to be that matchup if they do start, well, whether it's Cecil Rodon. Yeah. I, don't, I think Tony will be real quick with his leash. I won't have a problem snatching either one. No, especially in the playoffs. Yeah. When I feel like the, the, the way these days is, you know, your starter's going to get four or five. You know what I mean? Yeah. I'm looking at a guy like Kopech, like, okay, this is your time to shine. But, bro, who else? You know, can you, can you see a Ronaldo Lopez getting a call? Can you see Dallas Keuchel? You know, where, where do you see him fitting in? Is Dallas just, Keuchel's in that, yeah. like, El Duque role from 2005, right? Uh-huh. Tough situations where you need a veteran to come in. Yeah, three. Yes. Give me three, Dallas. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. You know, yeah. Dallas is definitely going to be needed at some point. Mm -hmm. You know, so for him not to be in the start rotation, no, no, no. All hands on deck in a, in a playoff series, especially a short five-game series. A hundred percent. And you know what? That's, that is where, you know, I feel like I'm a little worried, SD. Okay. You know, I'm I'm looking at that bullpen, and and even you know I don't feel the same way as I feel about the offense. You know, I'm like, okay, the offense they'll be fine. Right. That bullpen, I'm worried that if they get touched, you know, early, if that is going to be the trend for them. You know what I mean? And then you start to get Tony, you know, playing games with the with the bullpen, and you know, and um, I saw Jose Ruiz. Yeah, you know I mean, was on this like, hey man, like I know, you know. <laughs> But Tony has shown a lot of trust in him, you know. Yeah, you know, so I feel like Tony is not gonna be afraid to, like you said, to 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 put all hands on deck. So I'm looking at Kimbrell and I'm wondering if he has a switch where it's like, okay, it's, it's game time and you know, everything is on the line now. Is your fastball up to par? You know, are we gonna get that Kimbrell that we traded for? Uh, but again, you know, you got guys like Kopech, um and Tapera uh, and Aaron, you know, Aaron Bummer, who I feel like are, are pitching the way you want them to pitch right now. And then I'm, you know, I'm comfortable with a guy like Renato Lopez, who you brought up and honestly looked better than looked better than Keiko. He uh, was a decent spot starter and showed some, you know, confidence and and you know progress in the pen. I, the depth of what they have coming out of the bullpen is where I kind of find some comfort, but I, I'm looking at that bullpen like that is, you know, one of the areas that I'm keeping my eyes on, you know, and the defense as well, even though I'm not as worried about the defense as D, even, even though that's another area, bro. Where I'm defense, looking. Man, this year you cannot give this Houston offense extra yeah. outs. Yeah, man. You just cannot do that. You can't. And, you know, if you look at, you know, the stats on fan graphs, you know, Houston's bullpen, the ERA is only like a tenth of a run, more than the White Sox. Mm -hmm. But if you look at the, the war, F war, the White Sox are second in all of baseball in the bullpen. Houston's like 14. So uh, Houston has given up more runs. They don't strike you out as much as the White Sox do in the bullpen. But you you know how it is, man. You got great pitchers going up against great hitters, and it's all about who can win the matchups, who can get the big hit. Period. Every game is going to be one or two moments, you know. October, baby. October baseball. Man. So uh, I think the Babbitt for the White Sox bullpen is like 298, and the Babbitt for Houston's bullpen is 285. So – you know, for batting average balls in play. So Houston has a pretty decent bullpen. Uh, you know, they might not have the same stuff as the White Sox bullpen, but I think the series that they played, I think the series that they played down in Houston, early on, the White Sox were kind of like this fresh out of getting the to the point. They were yeah. kind of tired. Yeah. They were oh, tired. Yeah. They hit they hit a wall. Houston caught them at the right time, and they jumped on them early in each game. 
That's you know, I felt like um I know Liam Hendricks had a, a, a real good media session in that series. And I got to ask him about, you know, does it mean something when this team beats you in, in July? Or are you looking at October? And he said straight up, he's like, no. Who cares about a team beating you in July, bro? Yeah. Like, when, when we're not at full strength. Right. He's like, it's about October. And, the re- you know, the reason earlier why I mentioned that I, I don't know if I could have chosen a better opponent it's because this is one of those chips on your shoulder teams. Yeah. Uh, this is a team that kind of got a lick on us when we were kind of, you know, when we were balled up a little bit. Right. Now we good. Like, I'm fully healed now. Like, y'all swing, you know, hit, hit me with your best shot. Because we don't hit you with ours. Run it back. Yeah. You're definitely going to run that back, SD, man. I'm, uh, I'm really looking forward to this one, man, because I feel like this matchup could be – you know, the team that represents the AL in the, in the World Series. Yeah. And look, that Tampa, that I think that Tampa-Boston series is going to be a lot closer than people think. Okay. Because Tampa was, look, Tampa Bay played some good baseball. Oh, man. And getting Nelson Cruz was, was huge. They got him for now. Man. Okay. They got him for now. They got him for this moment. Yes. So, and you're talking about a team – that's been there. Like they just lost the World Series. Don't, don't forget that. I think people that's kind of slipped their minds. It's like this is a team that's that may repeat as AL champs. You know what I mean? Right. You, you know, you, you got that with the Astros, but don't sleep on Tampa Bay. They they could definitely end up in the World Series, bro. And it really the, the crazy thing about that wild card game is like Tampa Bay is pretty much dominated the Red Sox and the Yankees. Exactly. So for them, it's like, like they like we, we don't care. Like, uh huh. Just come on down to the trop. We don't care. Yeah. <laughs> you know. So yeah, I would love to see the White Sox go up against either one of those teams. Now, I will say, Tampa, their bullpen hasn't been as shut down as it was in previous years. That could really hinder them, you know, in this playoff run. Oh yeah. And it's a different team. Like, we're used to Tampa beating you because they don't make mistakes. They catch the ball, they pitch, and they close you out. And then they have time to hit it. This year, they're one of the best offensive teams in baseball. And they want to score runs and keep at it. So I think the games that the White Sox went down there in, I think it was August, that series they had with game one, Tim pretty much won the game by himself. Yeah. But that it was a great series. I think every every game was very competitive. You know, even the Saturday game where they kind of stressed it out. Yeah. Was that, know, that was like Rodon's worst outing of the year. Yeah. 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 Uh-huh. It was like, yeah. You, it's not yeah. like you're going to say, oh, man, Tampa has a decided edge. Like you said, Tampa hasn't faced this White Sox offense. And I'm sure that they, you know, they they know that. Yeah. So I would like to uh, everybody be cool. I know you. Some people feel like this season is cursed. <laughs> all the things that have happened. So the you know the news that was being spread around. You know, yeah. About Jose is like, dude. You know, we, it was room left. We watched here. It was one more scare left in, in, in the, you know. Yes. You know. If but, this dude, like, if this yeah. dude <laughs> I watched this dude get basically knocked out trying to catch an infield pop-up. Woo! Yeah. And basically tell everybody the next day, like, yo, I'm playing. Sitting out. Yeah, okay. So uh-huh. I don't care if his temperature is like 103. Like, I just believe that Jose Abreu is going to find a way to oh, be yeah. in that lineup. Oh, yeah, man. You know, you're talking about <coughs> – excuse me. The uh, Iron Man like we haven't seen before. Yeah. <coughs> excuse me. The way that he took pitches and then, like you said, just the way he just battled through the, the, the rumbles and bumbles that an MLB season can cause. 
you know he had a mindset coming in like, nah, this is the year, and I bet you I'm gonna be there for it. Yeah. I don't care how many bruises I have, and I I know ain't no fever about to keep me off of the field now. Given the fact that this is the, a COVID world, you have the team having to take precautions. He didn't travel with the team. Right. So he can stay back and make sure that it wasn't COVID-related. And the team is very fortunate that it's not, you know? And the fact that it's not, like you said, if it's not COVID-related, bro, then no, it's not missing time related. And I, I totally feel like Jose Abreu is going to be at the top of his game. Uh, you know, I know that the guys in that locker room, and probably the coolest thing that I got, piece of information that I got from being around the team this year, is that Jose Abreu has even passed the sticks, you know, as far as the biggest voice in the locker room being Tim Anderson, you know. But Tim leans on Jose. That's his vice president. You feel? That's Pito. It's 100%. And, and honestly, you you said it in, in the last time we spoke. Those, you know, he's one of the guys that they can't, that you don't want to see this team without. No. You know, like, if you're Houston and you hear Jose Abreu you ain't playing, you like, okay. Man. You, know I mean? you feel so, real yeah. good. Yeah. So the fact that they got him going on a plane tomorrow, he'll be in Houston. And I'm hearing reports that, you know, he'll be in the lineup, too, from, from guys that's already there. They, they're saying that Jose is going to be at first base tomorrow. So, yeah. Yeah, so, reports were that uh, because of the symptoms and to have for protocols to make sure the rest of the squad was safe, you know, they flew ahead. He stayed back, got on the plane this evening, this afternoon, going down there. And, dude, I'm sure the, the staff is working and doctoring on him <laughs> all night. Like, you don't oh, have yeah. to worry about that. They're going to pump him with whatever they have to pump him with to make sure. Oh, yeah. You know, you know they've been busy. <laughs> you know, because, yeah, because if he's not in the lineup, you know, the Astros had the same feeling the Miami Heat had, you know, when Derrick Rose got hurt. Oh, they yeah. Their hearts immediately were like, oh, we're going to the finals. Oh, like, yeah. We're good. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so – Man, let's talk about the things to look out for. I want to talk about the Astros. I look for, as I said before, Altuve is the one. Altuve is the one that makes everything go for them. And if Jose Altuve gets on base, based upon the last two or three weeks, look for the Astros to try to run early and often mm -hmm. on the starting pitchers and Yasmani Grandal. Oh, yeah. Yeah. They're going to try to run early and often, and they're going to try to get on the on the scoreboard. Look for them to definitely be patient. This is one of the most patient offenses in the league, and they they can strike out. They will strike. Of course they can strike out. Yeah. They will strike out, but I think they're going to come into, like I said, they're going to attack our starters, get the pitch count up. But this is one of those – through pitch it's five games. The pitch count doesn't matter. Mm -hmm. All that matters is outs and innings. Facts. And if our starters are giving us five innings, five plus, and we Good have luck. To, man, if we have yeah. to cover nine outs, that's all. That's yeah. all we have to cover is nine outs with our bullpen. Good okay. Luck. Then that's then that's the textbook. Yeah. Tony the Rooster is looking at you like, oh, I can call this game in my sleep, man. Right. <laughs> you know. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. The, the, honestly, SD, I'm looking at the White Sox. And and I I need them to be patient at the plate. Yes. You know what I mean? And I, I during the regular season, I'm one of those guys that I like the aggressive approach. You know, but in the in the postseason versus a team with experience, you don't want to make it easy for them. You don't want to have quick innings that, that's giving their pitchers the confidence that they can go deep. And honestly, one of the things that uh that frustrated me during the season was they would make okay pitchers look like Roger Clemens. You know what I mean? Oh man, they look like Greg Maddox. You know I mean, I don't want them to fall back into that hole because of the moment. So I'm like, okay, come with an even kill. I love the way Yoan Moncada's playing right now. I feel like he, if if I had to pick an X factor, I feel like he's one of the guys that teams are have had the, like, the luxury of kind of ignoring because he didn't have – he wasn't the same Yohan Moncada, you know, that he was a couple years ago as far as the power goes. And he, right. he had a stretch where he just didn't look like himself, you right. know. But right now, whew, 
Power stroke was looking good over the last week. Right now, bro. Man, that home run he hit that Saturday night. Where he won it, and he. Well, yeah, got you know. The rate was back up. The rate was going crazy. Oh man! So I I can only imagine. Let me tell you. Go ahead. Sunday night. I, you know, I have to be back in the studio, but I can only imagine. I'm I'm literally planning for Sunday right now because I know that game is at 7.07. By, by 4 o'clock, good luck getting anywhere close Man. to that park. It's been crazy leading up to it. Like With the, the crowds? The crowds leading up to it, man, have, have been – Bussing, you know what I mean? There's really no other way to say it. That that Moncada home run, they they like really stole the show because as the ball is traveling out, all of a sudden you just hear this roar, bro. Like I, I, I honestly, in my three, you know, four or five years covering the team, totally never seen or heard that park like that. Yeah. So you know, just looking at Sunday, don't let these guys come back with a chance. To, to, uh, to go ahead and stick a fork in the Astros Man. on Sunday. Yeah, I mean, I, I know the South Side is going to be rocking. That's going to be incredible. So, like we said, I think the Astros are going to try to jump out early. Mm-hmm. They will try to implement a running game against the White Sox and their starters. And this goes to your point. They're going to attack, breaking ball, breaking ball, breaking ball, make them chase. Get them chasing. This is a young, aggressive team. Offense has been going very aggressive. They love to hit the fastball, especially starting game one with Lance McCullers. He has a good fastball, but that slider is something that he's going to try to entice our hitters with to get themselves out. And like you said, man, hopefully we can just work the count, hit good pitches, and take advantage of the take advantage of the mistakes he makes. That's the key, SD. Honestly, I, I can't say it any better. I think that, you know, it's like you said, the, the writing is on the wall on how the White Sox can get wins. Yeah. You know, the formula is right there. They just got to come out and, and, you know, be able to execute it early and often. Well, man, that is our preview of this ALDS, Sources on the Soul. As always, we thank you for joining us. Don't forget. For every pitch and every moment, follow at It's The Bigs, The Bigs Media, at Tomlin Does It, at Stay Humble. For every pitch and every moment of the ALDS pregame, they'll have you post-game, talking about each and every game, getting interviews, and yes, talking indeed. about post-game press conferences as well. Stay locked in. It's The Bigs. Absolutely, man. And also, man. you can hear each and every pitch only. There is no local TV coverage. Only on ESPN 1000, ESPN Chicago, and the ESPN Chicago app. We'll have regular post-game and then an extended post-game show for an extra hour after each game in this ALDS. So that's what's up. Looking forward to it. Looking forward to a great series and looking forward to going on to the ALCS. Yes. And we'll be back to talk about games one and two on this weekend. Yes, we'll have sir. another podcast up. Hopefully, we look forward to talking about a 2-0 lead coming home to close it out. 100% SD. I'm looking forward to seeing how this is going to unfold. I always look ahead and say, man, this time tomorrow, you know, somebody will have a 1-0 lead. Uh, we'll see if it's our Chicago White Sox, man. I want to definitely just real quick shout out to you, bro, on, you know, leading the way for us, you know, uh, you know us Chicago guys here. In the media industry, bro, I, I love you know turning on Waddle and Sylvie, and every time they pass the mic to you, bro, I get I look at my girl like, hey, that's my boy, SD. <laughs> you know what I mean, that's so man, like, you always drop the reel on these people. I can't wait to to jump back on here and talk about uh, games one and two and the White Sox closing them out in game three. Man, as you guys always say, we close it out, man. It's us. You know what I mean? And that's the yeah. way I'm always gonna be. You know, when I'm here, when I'm doing my thing, it's like you guys are right next to me. So it's us. So once again, follow It's the Bigs. Tumlin does it at Stay Humble throughout the ALDS and listen to it live on ESPN Chicago 
ESPN 1000 and the ESPN Chicago app. For my boy, T-Tom, I am Sean Davis, man. We'll talk to you this weekend at the games one and two of the ALDS. Go Sox.